1: From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Well, hello, hello. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Nadine Blaney. It is the 27th of March. Really nice to have you watching and listening. Joining us as well today is David Scott. He's joining us from Adelaide. How are you, Scotty?
0: I'm great. It started a bit of a miserable day here in Adelaide, but it's turned bright. It's a bit topsy-turvy with the market. Uh, not a lot going on at the headline index level, is there today?
1: There certainly isn't. We've seen you know, it fade, but uh, we don't want to become too negative because it looks as if, of course, the final match out is still going on for the S&P ASX 200, but it looks as if we will just have a bit of green on the screen when it comes to the final figure. So we'll let all of that settle, Scuddy. But we've got to acknowledge the fact that there is still, you know, quite a lot of consternation around the banks, quite a lot of you know, just uncertainty as to whether or not we'll continue to see you know, some of this instability come through. But more importantly now, Scuddy, what it will mean for credit going forward and therefore economic growth in the States
0: yeah clearly there's a few concerns about uh, this withdrawal of funds from the smaller lenders going to those larger players uh, might go and end up crimping creditor you no know, creation when it comes to uh, real estate uh, small business and the like and that's uh, you know, definitely having a follow-through impact particularly when it comes to rates pricing at this point in time it's really interesting to see how various asset classes are taking that but uh, yeah one thing is really for certain across the gamut now you know whether you're talking equities bonds credit uh, fx everyone seems to be on board that there's gonna be some sort of pivot coming through from central banks in the not too distant future.
1: Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, we've heard this today in this session, this Asian session, that there could be a suitor for SVB coming through in the form of First Citizens Bank. Um, We've got word that Credit Suisse might actually be facing disciplinary action. That's coming from the Swiss regulator. And, you know, over the weekend, we were all keeping our eye on Deutsche Bank, wondering if that was the next shoe to fall. Of course, it's not but it will remain a focus for um, well for investors right across the board but here locally today scotty i thought we might start just by running through some of the sectors and i do believe that i started with those sectors that outperformed and again you know if you consider utilities was one of the best performing sectors we saw uh, you know, AGL up by more than 3%, Origin Energy, which incidentally, it will have that takeover of Brookfield Asset Management likely finalized this week. I mean, the, the sectors that outperformed, Scotty, did reflect, again, sort of the defensive stance that many investors are feeling like they need to take now.
0: Absolutely. The long duration at play certainly outperformed, defensive sectors did pretty well. Also, you've got to overlay that to some of the, I know, findings we came out of Canberra today. As the government moved towards passing its emissions reduction act, uh, getting the support of the Greens, so getting closer to the level required still needs another two uh, of the crossbench to go and get that over the line. But uh, getting closer to that point, and you look at the uh, the laggards, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, energy sector clearly impacted by that news as well today.
1: Yeah. Okay. So REITs were the outperformers as well in terms of the sector wise. So. REITs looked pretty good today, Center Group up by about three quarters of a percent, Goodman Group two percent, Dexis up by about a quarter of a percent. But then we get to InfoTech as well, which as a sector was an outperformer. I mean this this page isn't anything to to go crazy about, but you had Block doing really well, you had Zipco, you had Sezzle. I think that this is sort of a reflection of what we've seen in the US, isn't it? You know, we've seen tech outperforming, we've seen the Nasdaq outperforming, but Scotty, I know I'll take the words from your mouth that, you know, some of the companies that we've seen outperforming here locally, like it's not like they're in the quality basket like they are in terms of Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and those big megatech names in the States.
0: No, absolutely. And you can see with uh, Blocko, clearly that's a very, very small rebound after what was an absolute shellacking on Friday as that short seller report moved in. Uh, So that's not much of a bounce coming back through there. But some of those quality names are doing all right. But you're you're right. And it's not just what we're seeing here in the local market, but across also the U.S. and others that, a lot of that unprofitable tech no more speculative areas of the market are doing particularly well at the moment clearly the market's are a whiff that's another you know, lower capital costs might be coming through at some point but really the, the question has to be asked will the capital be still going to those type of ventures or will it be because we're seeing a pretty pronounced economic slowdown which is interesting when we see some of the uh, you know, laggards today particularly like in you know, premier investments and co a uh, really strong interim report coming out today including a special dividend but uh, still are not enough to appease these markets that are looking for some kind of pretty big slowdown in spending and not distant future
1: yeah i had a conversation with harry watt from shaw and partners and market matters earlier today scuddy talking about premier talking about meyer talking about kmd brands which was out last week you know the reports coming through have been quite strong but again it's just that unknown like still facing the unknown later in this year, what it will all mean for consumer spending. Hey, Scotty, we have an inflation read due here later this week. Um, is this ground zero for what the RBA decides first Tuesday of the month, which is coming up really quickly, or has everything that's gone on globally really you know, changed, changed the game?
0: I still think global factors are going to be probably a big overriding factor as to what the decision is. But if you asked me three months ago about this inflation indicator, it's still very new, very green behind the ears when it comes to the messaging you can go and get from it. But uh, the RBA have been talking about this particular release on several occasions, including in policy documents. So clearly the bank is putting quite a bit of weight on what the outcome comes through. We know we're not going to get the full inflation basket uh, as part of this release. We'll get near enough in about 80 percent or so. No, if we get an undershoot there, given the other, the woes we're seeing the other global banking system at this point in time, look, uh, the market pricing is saying they're going to be in hold. I dare say, probably, a few economists would also go and join them in that boat.
1: Okay. Now, you did reference earlier the energy sector, if we can bring it up on screen, was the worst performing sector, would side down by close to 3%. In fact, it was one of the, the biggest laggards on the market overall today, Santos. Whitehaven Coal and Beach Energy, Uh, reminds me of a conversation I had with a small cap investor earlier today from Yara Capital Management. I do believe that we'll put it in tonight's newsletter, also available via the show notes if you're listening to this via podcast form. Uh, He was basically saying that they're turning away from some energy exposure, also commodities exposure being very selective. And uh, Sims Metals Group got a mention in that interview, as well as One Small Cap Copper Play. So if you'd like to take a listen to that, you can do so via uh, the links or on our website ausbiz.com.au. Hey, Scotty, I think you were alluding to it a little bit earlier on, but your view today in the newsletter, which is also called the COB, saying that rarely has the message from stocks and bonds been so different when it comes to the economic outlook. but both seem to be singing from the same song sheet when it comes to Fed expectations right now. Why?
0: Yeah, and and not only just the Fed, but a whole bunch of other central banks around the world, including our own RBA. Now, clearly, the pivot's on. Uh, Market pricing says as much. And uh, various asset classes, the way they're behaving to that uh, that outcome is really interesting at the moment. Clearly, equities are are not really phased about a hard economic landing. Otherwise, would see those earnings risk being priced in at this point in time. But just when you look at those other asset classes, Nadine, I'm not sure if you're paying uh, really close attention to what's been going on in the credit space, but FX, commodities in particular as well. Look at that, you talked about the energy sector, just then, really, really weak performance. And this is supposed to be a time where they're absolutely flying, China's reopening and everything else. And it's just not coming to fruition. And uh, clearly those other asset classes are printing a pretty good signal there that a slowdown in the global economy is coming at some point in time. But whether that manifests itself in, uh, in earnings, well, I think it will. But uh, no, time will tell. We'll see whether that happens. We get earnings season in the States, of course, kicking off in just a couple of weeks time.
1: I know it's unreal that it's around again. I've just had a conversation with Chi from BNP Paribas Asset Management, also putting it in context that so we did get some data out of China today that was pretty weak. Industrial profits really slumping. Uh, we have still got a lot of geopolitical tensions around that area, but he reckons that we've had sort of late last year to early this year that initial leg in Chinese equities, he reckons There will be a pause but there is maybe two three months from now likely to be another leg up coming through for chinese equities in particular which he reckons will spill around the asian region Um, but you know the x factor again there is what happens in the united states in terms of recession because of course that dictates demand for chinese exports Um, Listen, I don't have a view on it really, but I do think it's really interesting because we've been talking about this a lot in the past couple weeks. So you had Silicon Valley Bank collapsing, a 90% share price drop for First Republic Bank, you know, Credit Suisse, UBS, you know it. But it's just this uh, chart really speaks to the speed in which we've seen a lot of the market value wiped off of some of these regional US banks. And the chatter is, you know, it's social media. Social media is amplifying some of these moves, amplifying, you know, the notion of bank runs. And look, there's a lot of concern out there that some of this narrative that gets passed around social media so quickly can, you know, really be hard to control once that fear takes hold. In fact, Citigroup's chief executive, Jane Fraser, said that social media is, in fact, a game changer when it comes to potential bank runs. Hey, Scotty. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, the Credit Suisse
0: chief executive as well. He was uh, he was talking about uh, that impact as well late last year and being part of the uh, the, the problems that the bank uh, experienced. Uh, probably a little bit rich considering the uh, the, the backlog of I uh, no bad news that's come out of that institution before it was all by UBS, but uh, it's true, we can see at the moment, uh, almost in a daily occurrence, there seems to be some kind of speculation about various bad aspects to a balance sheet and and what the potential impact could be moving forward. So yeah, one area to go and keep a close eye, particularly if you're a regulator.
1: Well, Scotty, I can tell you we've been talking about First Citizens Bank, uh, rumours of it buying SVB from the FDIC, and that is now confirmed. So we're getting breaking news coming through that First Citizens Bank will be buying SVB's deposit deposits and loans from the FDIC. So again, more moves to potentially potentially take a little bit of the concern out of this banking crisis story. All right, I would like to get to the corporate news here today. I'll just run people through it quickly, if you don't mind, Scotty. Endeavor Group up by 3%. Now the link is to the Labour election because Labour, of course, in New South Wales won over the weekend. They are going to be trialing these cashless cards at uh, gaming, it's, you know, areas where you can play pokies. Um, whereas the Liberal government was going to bring it in and phase it in by, you know, a specific date. So that's why Endeavor's getting a boost. Helios told its shareholders today to take no action in relation to the offer that is on the table from Australian clinical labs. Look, I had a chat with uh, Benjamin Yeo from Moore, Australia today. It's up online. He thinks it's very unlikely this gets over the line. InvoCare today telling shareholders that TPG Global's takeover offer does not, it's not compelling value. And Scuddy Latitude can't believe the scope of this cyber attack that's come to light. You know, it's, it's, Really scary if you've been, you know, using Latitude services at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, all those other listed Aussie companies.
0: Yeah, 15 million odd documents stolen as part of this hack—one of the biggest in Australian uh, history—and uh, no surprise that it's down today. Latitude's had a pretty rough run as of the best of it. Yeah, but uh, reinforcing that data security is going to be one of those structural trends we see for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just the numbers—you know, the sheer numbers of it is pretty incredible. I'm, I'm saying to people in the newsroom, there's 53,000 passports that have been stolen the data. And just imagine if that was you, how uncertain you'd feel. Uh, let's get to the, I guess, corporate news of the day, Premier Investments. We sort of referenced it earlier on. Um, but yeah, it uh, it came through saying that trading in the first little bit of this year is still looking good. Um, but again, it's just a wall of worry to climb when it comes to investing in these smaller retail names. Down 2.7%. It was the stock of the day. Let's take a listen to what our expert guests had to say.
2: Look, it's a really good business. Yeah. I mean, Sally knows what he's doing better than most. Um, look, it's really good, but everyone knows that it's really good. Right. Um, I think, you know, you know, talking to my daughter, she's um, look, people are spending I'm amazed at the level of spending, but it's still going on. Uh, Premier is you know, one of the high-end retailers um, and they're solid. Uh, they've got a decent amount of diversification and they're doing well. They're executing. Yeah, look, if you're there, happy to be there. It's a hold. It's probably one of the better retailers, but uh, you have to assume this. St- consumer spending cycle that is starting to roll over globally will affect us as well. Smeagol and and Peter Alexander are great Uh, but the rest of the business is is quite home um, ho-hum it's it's low growth um, cash generative and helps fund the expansions but it it is extremely cyclical and and that's the bit that's going to be hit in a downturn I, I think so. Um, I'm more cautious about the business here, I'm, I'm more cautious about retail generally. Visa right. is an exception because it's in a monumental rollout, um, but apart from that, I'm not comfortable holding
0: any retail. Nothing in retail. Um, so okay.
1: Well, let's get an expert view on all of what we've just discussed and what's to come, of course, with Brody Harold. He's joining us in studio from Macro Capital. Welcome to the COB. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Nadine. So today, so we eked out a small gain. I don't want to take anything away from it. I look for silver linings up by a tenth of a percent, but it does sort of speak to just the nervousness out there.
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, look, we've had sort of seven weeks now, um, of continual, uh, yeah, in the red action, I guess yeah. you could say. So I think it's pretty sort of statistically unlikely that we get another week in the red. But obviously, there's a lot of things, um, in the interim that could come out to affect that. Um, realistically, people are still very, very concerned. Um, I think the fear levels are very, very high at the moment with everything sort of happening in the banking crisis. Um, and obviously these bond yields as well just gyrating so quickly um, yeah we're getting this level of volatility that we don't usually see so the markets not really sure how to sort of process everything um, and not to mention we've got sort of strong data out of the US on very Friday. strong
1: data yeah. yeah
2: bond volatility as I mentioned before we've got Fed speakers this week um, and yeah I think it's just this sort of paralysis of analysis Paralysis markets. of analysis. Yeah, that's one way to put it. I think there's just so many things sort of going on at the moment. Volatility is so high. Fear is very high at the moment. It's what to process first and what's the most important as well. So, look, I think the market's definitely going to be on the lookout for that CPI print um, that we get out of the U.S. That's going to be a major one as well. Because uh, honestly, the the only sort of small positive coming out of this banking crisis is that those. Bond yields are dropping down sort of quite considerably as well, which is quite good for some of those tech names. So if we have inflation that's still sort of stubbornly high, um, that's going to cause concern for, I guess, the market and and what the uh, bank's reactions are going to be central.
1: Yeah, I I had a very um, good conversation earlier today saying that, look, in the case that we do see some sort of a credit crunch coming through, inflation can drop like a rock. So right now, everything is um, very attuned to what we get uh, in the data, as well as in the banking sector, so that is going to go without saying. Um, we had that data from China that was a little bit weak. Um, yep. We've got concerns about demand. We talked about the energy sector being the worst performer today. Yeah. How are you guys viewing cyclicals right now?
2: It's an interesting one. It's such a, I guess, sort of mixed bag at the moment. Realistically, um, I guess sort of coal and gas today, um, particularly being affected by what happened in the New South Wales elections as well. So. Um, That was almost sort of expected as well. But I think sort of now, if you're looking at the portfolio generally, um, you wanna start to add to your non-cyclicals, really review those cyclical positions as well, because we're having them sort of price all over the spot. Um, For example, you had iron ore and sort of steel makers towards the start of the year, um, they were fully pricing in what's happening over in China. On the other end of the scale, we had oil, which is just completely ignoring it as well. So I think it's time to sort of get picky with some of those cyclical stocks in your portfolio, Um, particularly when you're looking at sort of commodities, um, they tend to move very, very quickly and react very quickly to uh, all the macro news that we've been getting as well.
1: Yeah, but uh, we still do have, um, you know, supply realities, supply constraints, particularly in copper. Yes. Um, What's the house view about copper?
2: I think most people that come onto the show are pretty, uh, pretty bullish on copper and it's the same story as well. This just got re- reaffirmed for us. Um, Goldman actually came out with a report very recently um, just given their forecasts on what could actually happen with the copper space at the moment. And we talked about, obviously, there's no more sort of supply realistically coming into the market at the moment. I think at this current rate, um, stockpiles are, are looking like they'll actually fully deplete by the August period as well. So, I mean, it's a big sort of oversight by investors, especially considering how much chat there has been about the space uh, recently as well. And I think the markets have become sort of very well trained in pricing what could happen from the demand aspect. Um, And the market's been doing this for over a year now. Look, we were sort of pricing in a recession almost, uh, yeah, over six months ago, realistically. So we're always looking at the, I guess the demand side if a recession comes if it doesn't, and it's just sort of gyrating from that end. Um, but realistically, the supply concerns are, are pretty uh, pretty big and probably too big to uh, overlook from here as well.
1: Do you have a preferred pick in copper here locally?
2: Absolutely. Um, AIS, look, it's uh, had a really good day today as well. I think have it was it? up around about sort of 12 13%. That's Ares Resources. Yeah, and I think it's just one of those sort of growth opportunities, right? If you're trying to play it, Oz Minerals is not really on the cards, yeah. realistically. Sandfire, look, it got a bit of money flow coming down from Oz Minerals, being sort of, I guess, the the second biggest pure play. So for us, it's Aeris Resources technical movement off the 200-day moving average. Um, look, really, really positive movement today. So it was nice to see that off the back of the report. But we didn't really get Sandfire move too much today as well. No,
1: yeah, that was Sandfire was a pick from a guest earlier on today. All right, so oil, any view? Um, do you prefer to play it via any particular, you know, vehicle?
2: Yeah, and I think this is one that I'm looking at again, because for an extended period of time, it was was one of the most overcrowded trades, realistically. Um, Now it's almost the forgotten trade, uh, I guess you could say. So, I mean, the underlying commodity has been a huge underperformer, um, just realistically, over the past, say, three to four months again it's it's that same story from the market we're talking about these sort of demand concerns consistently mm-hmm. but then you get things like iron ore for example moving very very well off the back of china reopening and realistically do we see the same thing for oil not really which is surprising given that you know china is the the world's biggest oil importer as well so and given the prices at the moment, there's going to be no relief um, from the OPEC members to be looking at sort of increasing their, their supply constraints currently as well. So I think that's one to have a look at. Look, Woodside, Santos, the names have peeled back recently, but they've actually held up quite well. Um, so I'd be looking at just having a look at, at maybe sort of dipping your toe in a little bit of triple O. Mm-hmm, that's going to be exposure okay. directly to the
1: oil futures. Themselves. That was just a flashback to 2022. Here I know, about triple yeah, O. <laughs> <laughs> That's All right. A- Brody. thank you so much for joining the COB. Appreciate your insights. Thanks. I would also say we've got to now consider, and uh, when we're talking about energy plays big and small here in Australia, uh, the fact that Labour has won green support for its industrial emissions reduction plan. So uh, look, we'll be talking about that lots in the days and weeks to come. But I do want to get to what's happening overnight tonight. Look, it's not a blockbuster night, but we do get a bit of data coming out in Europe. We also get uh, a bit of data coming out in the United States. It's coming from the Dallas Fed. So we'll get a look into activity there. And that's the IFO Business Climate Survey coming through in Europe. Here locally tomorrow, we do get the weekly consumer confidence read that comes from ANZ, but we get retail trade from February. Just one of those themes that we've been talking about. Retailers have been doing it tough. There's still a lot of uncertainty when it comes to rates and what happened in Fed? we'll find out tomorrow. Well, let's just take a look at some of these market leaders and, of course, the Laggards. NRW Holdings was actually one of the best performers today. It came out and said that it had won some contracts, uh, so that did good things for its share price. It also updated on an acquisition that it's been making, and so we did see NWR Holdings share price up by 5.5% by the end of the session. Soraya Resources did well, interesting to see in the lithium space, which has been so volatile as of late, including Liontown Resources, so that's up there on the list. I should mention that Remelius Resources was also Uh, one of the better performers today, up by close to 4%, and Tyro Payments, it's not on the list, but you'll have to trust me on that, it was up today. It has responded to some media speculation in regards to the Potentia offer that is on the table uh, for the company, and uh, it doesn't happen very often, but we do have Lend-Lease is uh, in the top moves. Interesting when you consider that Morgan Stanley put out a note today saying that we could see emerging issues in the financing space when it comes to the commercial real estate sector. And that is because we continue to talk about in relationship to some of those US regional banks um, however, we've got analysts at Morgan Stanley saying that as the cost of debt continues to rise and cheap hedges rolled off, likely to see ICRs deteriorating, however, it says that uh, Centre Group, Lend Lease, Charter Hall and uh, uh, the Homeco Daily Needs REIT and Centuria Industrial REIT have ICRs that could drop to around four times or lower in the next 12 to 18 months. Okay, let's get to some of the laggards. That was what helped drive the market higher. And look no further than um, Lake Resources, Pilbara Minerals, so you can see again, a little bit of volatility coming through there in the lithium space. Woodside Energy, we've just been speaking of it, down by about 3% Premier Investments, despite that pretty strong result coming through clearly bit of consternation around the outlook for those retail in names which is down by close to three percent and Collins Foods. I'm not seeing any news associated with Collins Foods but down by three percent. Let's take a look at some of those small cap leaders and laggards and NRW Holdings will likely feature there as well. All right, Scotty, you still there in Adelaide? Look, uh, no major data that is due tonight but we will be watching very closely any developments when it comes to svb for citizens bank and how that reverberates around u.s markets
0: yeah, we've got uh, US Figures e minis currently up about uh, nearly half of a cent on the back of that news. It's been pretty much said the entire day. Mixed performance is coming through elsewhere, but as you said, uh, no, the data is really going to be much bigger later on in the week. Uh, tonight, probably the highlights the IFO business survey in, uh, in Germany. Uh, that's not going to go and create too many headlines, you'd imagine. It's going to be all about what happens with the banking sector, particularly around Deutsche Bank. Keep a close eye on their shares and CDS, which have been a big catalyst uh, featuring a lot on social media over the course of the weekend.
1: It's amazing how, Scotty, everybody becomes experts, you know, CDS this week, cocoa Bonds last week, it is. Um, it's just a sign of the times. Look, Scotty, I know he's one of your favorites as well, but I'll be speaking with Jonathan Payne from The Payne Report tomorrow morning. We'll be speaking with Alex Pakoulis from Harper's Bernays, and I think you've got Warren Hogan from EQ Economics on the big picture, so we've got a lot to look forward to. And we're live from 9.30. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to that retail sales report. It will be a big one.
1: All right, Scotty, have a good night. Uh, Good night to all of you out there. We look forward to seeing you on Tuesday tomorrow. See you then. See you later. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission.